You know, they say often that youth is wasted on the young, but speak for yourself, because I did not waste mine. Now, I did not come up with a cure for cancer or negotiate the fall of the Berlin Wall, but I did have a lot of fun. And what I did do was find me. You know, like most young people, I wanted to change the world. Or at least I wanted to change my experience of it. And for me, drag was the way to do that. You know, I remember the very first time that I saw a real, live, proper drag queen. You know, I was 18 years old, my first student summer in London, and my first gay bar. You know, my heart was pounding in my chest. I was nervous, excited. To be honest, I was absolutely terrified. I walked past the door a few times trying to build up the courage because I knew, or at least I suspected anyway, that this was going to be a big moment for me. You know, there'd be no going back after this, and turned out I was right. Now, it was a dingy basement, you know, worn around the edges, you know, nothing to get excited about, really. But I couldn't have been more excited. Now, it was still pretty early, there weren't many people in, but I hardly noticed or cared, because as far as I was concerned, they were all just invisible. As far as I was concerned, there was only one person in that room, and she was badly lit in a cheap sequin dress on a small stage in the corner. And she was not invisible. You know, she wasn't blending into the background. She was covered in sequins you know, to make damn sure that she didn't. She was big and bright and bold and colorful, and she was reflecting light and demanding attention. She had a bloody spotlight. You know, she was anti-invisible. And she was not terrified that her wrist was going to betray her. You know, she wasn't trying to suppress any hint of terrifying femininity. She wasn't pretending to like football or pretending not to like Madonna. Well, actually, she loves Madonna. You know, <laughs> hell, she was lip-syncing to Madonna and living her Madonna fantasy. And you know, she had taken all of those things that you were afraid of, you know, all the things that they tried to sneer out of you, all the things they told you were weakness, and she was throwing them back at you as strength, you know, as power, as fun. You know, she was giving all those assholes on the night bus the glittered finger, and it was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen in my life. <laughs> you know, I am a firm believer that everybody should do drag at least once, or certainly every man. And I mean do it properly, you know? You know not like some rugby club stag party in a half-hearted negligee and balloons for boobs. <laughs> you know, that is not drag, you know, that's mockery. You know, give that X chromosome of yours a chance to shine, you know? Put some effort into it, the kind of effort that women are expected to put into it. You know, shave your legs, paint your face, you know, hobble yourself in shoes that were not designed for walking. Give it a good go. Now, you will not suddenly magically understand what it is to be a woman, but you might gain a little more respect for what they're expected to put up with. And you should do it because it's fun, <laughs> you know, to break the rules, uh, to be someone else for a while, someone bolder, brighter, stronger, in armor made of sequence. You know, drag is very cool right now. You know, it's more popular than it ever was. It's having a cultural moment. You know, you can't swing a wig on George Street at 3 a.m. on a Saturday without taking out a couple of baby drags. <laughs> <laughs> and I see them, you know, the baby drags coming in. You know, first time in drag. Looks a bit of a mess, to be honest, but she thinks she looks fierce because she feels fierce. And anyway, looking good is the easy part. That just takes a little practice and probably a little more money than she has right now. <laughs> and who knows? You know, maybe if she's nice, and lucky, you know, an older queen might see something in her, you know, some potential, and you know, might take her under her bingo wings. You know, <laughs> give her a few tips, show her a few of our secret little tricks. You know, that's how the system works, you know, drag mothers. <laughs> but don't let the sequins fool you, because these kids are tough. You know, it makes me laugh when I hear those idiots on the night bus you know, shouting faggot or puffter at these kids, because shouting these words that they mistakenly imagine mean weakness. Because it takes strength to be a puffer, 
You know, it takes courage to be a faggot. It takes bravery to be a queer. And it takes all of that and more to be a queen. You know, drag is inherently punk. It's an act of defiance. It's a two fingers to social expectations. It's an FU to your arbitrary rules about how a boy is supposed to act or dress. It's a refusal to conform, a refusal to be appropriate. It's transgressive, it's confronting, it's discombobulating. But it is not weak. You know, for some of these baby drags, it's actually the very opposite. It is the very first time that they have found their strength. You know, these are often the kids that go unnoticed, you know, whose school years were spent not drawing attention to themselves. You know, the invisible kids that you might sit beside on the bus, but you couldn't describe afterwards. They learned the fine art of invisibility as a defense mechanism. It's their lonely superpower. It was safer to go unnoticed because whenever they did attract attention, it was usually the bad kind, the kind that came with a spat faggot or a dead leg. They're the kids who spent their teenage years coiled tight, afraid to relax, in case they betrayed themselves with a girlish squeal or a limp wrist or some other tiny, arbitrary thing that marked them out as different and queer. And then one day, they walk into a gay bar and see their first drag queen. <laughs> 